Oh, it's good to be here this morning. We are picking up again in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we have extra Bibles. And actually, if you want one, uh, if you'd like one to use right now, um, anybody need a Bible right now? Raul, if you can grab some there. Anybody that needs one back here, we need one. Um, and I actually put uh, bookmarks, great idea from my brother John Forsyth over here, to mark ahead of time, here's the main passage we're going to be in. Um, I don't want to assume for anyone that you coming into the church know already how to handle this giant book that has a whole bunch of references that seems complicated, and, and it says Old Testament and New Testament, and you say, well, if there's a New Testament, why do we need an Old Testament? And those are good questions, and you're going, what is this about? You know, Sunday morning is a great time to just kind of get practiced and following along and um, learning how to find your place and great encouragement from John here to say, you know what, let's all have the physical Word of God open to what we're going through um, and help each other in that. Uh, if you see a neighbor who's kind of fumbling in their Bible for trying to follow and if we go somewhere they want to try to find it, Let's help each other in that. Don't be embarrassed if you can't find something. Um, there's some passages still that I find myself just going to the back and going, okay, where's that? The, the book is only five pages long and it's buried somewhere in this huge book of the Bible. So praise the Lord for his word. Let's look. We're in Matthew. Uh, Matthew is one of four gospel accounts. Gospel account meaning an account of the life of Jesus, and through him we have good news. Gospel just means good news. And so Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. He's giving us an account of Jesus' life and teaching. So let's pick up Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 14. It says, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Lord Jesus, help us to understand this word. Father, through your Son, you brought truth. Truth to set us free, and God, in your word is that truth. So Holy Spirit, do the work that you do to open our eyes, to open our hearts, to receive what it is you have for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there are different accounts of the gospel. Mark is another one. And, and the way that each writer expresses what happened comes from a different perspective and, and, and there's kind of a different focus in when, when they're relating the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And when I look at like the book of Mark, Mark is, is much more energetic in his teaching. He... He's, he's expressive. He, he's expressing, here, here's what it was like. 
And, and just even if, when you start to learn, dig into Greek, it's a difficult thing. But if you can, with Mark, there's a tense to everything. That's, it's more like I, I picture Mark just hanging out with some friends and saying, here's how it was. And, and, and we went here, and, and Jesus says this, and, 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 then, and then Peter did this, and, and, and he likes to use the word immediately, and then immediately we're over here, and then immediately we're doing this, and, and, and it's very active, and it, it's expressing really the experience of what happened. That's not how Matthew is expressing the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. In fact, Matthew is not really even concerned so much with you know, how the order of events played out as much as Mark is, not the experience of the events and how they played out. That, that's not what his focus is, and maybe we've kind of seen that already in the teachings so far of Matthew. When I picture kind of the way that Matthew is, is relating the the life and teachings of Jesus, it's more like he's in the setting of a synagogue, right? He has a Jewish audience around him. Everything he, he says in here to, is, is with respect to a, a Jewish listener. He doesn't say the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of heaven because it's potentially offensive to write God's name. You know, that, that was a, a thing for the Jews that they were careful of even writing God's name. And so he's writing to a Jewish audience. And so I just picture him in a synagogue surrounded by Jews, and in front of him laid out scrolls of the Bible, of their scripture, which is what we call the Old Testament. That's what they had as scripture then. The New Testament was, was being written. Matthew was writing the book of Matthew, right? But they had, they had the prophets and the, and the law, of, and, and they had the writings of Moses and each of the prophets of Isaiah and the Psalms of David and and, and they had all of these scrolls. And so I picture Matthew, all of these scrolls laid out and showing this Jewish, this Jewish audience, look, here is how Jesus is the fulfillment of our scriptures. More than any other book or, or any other gospel, Matthew points back to references in the Old Testament. He's saying, it, this was a fulfillment of, uh, of this prophecy. And look, in Jesus' life, this happened, and that, that's in order to accomplish what was prophesied there. Right? And, and, and his, his intent is not to show the experience of what happened or, or kind of like how the order of events laid out. He is to show how Jesus, that he knew and followed, is the promised one, is the Messiah, is the one that they have been looking for. And, and everything that the prophets have been prophesying is fulfilled in Jesus. Look, he is the descendant of David. That's how he starts out. The legal lineage of David, that yes, Jesus fits that. He is that eternal reigning king that was promised, the Messiah, the anointed one. And, and as he goes through the life of John the Baptist, John the Baptist with this message of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at, is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is such a focus of, of Matthew's teaching. Because the eternal king is Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment. And look, this kingdom has come. And it's, it's actually not as we thought it was going to be. 
Look at the teachings of Christ. He spends so much time in the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters of what we have in Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' teaching about the kingdom, about righteousness, is going, this isn't as we saw it. Look, he's talking about those who are part of the kingdom are going to have a righteousness that's far beyond the Pharisees, far beyond the religious leaders that we look at and say, they're the righteous ones. No, it's going to be far beyond that. It's going to be a righteousness not to be perceived by men, but a righteousness seen in the heart by God, a righteousness that is one that has, has relationship with God, that's, that when you pray, it's not just to be seen by other people, but it's prayer and intimate relationship with the Father, and this is what it's like, the kingdom is like. See, Matthew's pointing us to, to just, not just that Jesus is, is the, the, what, what all the scripture is pointing to as the Messiah, but also that the kingdom of heaven and what Jesus came to do is not exactly as we thought as Jews, right? That's what he's saying to them. And what they were looking for was that, was that reigning king from the line of David that would overthrow the Romans. It would bring about that nation that they had seen before. And boy, there's a mystery there in what Jesus actually came and did. And he's saying, look at the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, I can just picture him with a Jewish audience pouring over those Old Testament scriptures and bringing new light to the life of Jesus of what was there. And just what we've seen after the Sermon on the Mount. What does Matthew do? He, he takes us to some examples of after Jesus has taught that those that are going to be a part of this kingdom are going to have a righteousness that surpasses the righteousness that we have around us right now. And then where does Jesus go? First, he brings us to, to that event when Jesus went to the one who has chronic uncleanness, the one, the cast, the, the one who's cast out of society, the, the leper, who because of his leprosy is unable, unfit to be a worshiper, worshiper of God in the temple. That's who Jesus goes to. Wow, what Jesus is doing is radical. He's teaching about this, this surpassing righteousness. And then he goes to the one who's chronically unclean, unfit for the kingdom. And he touches him and makes him clean. And then Matthew draws our attention to the centurion, that, the Gentile, outside of the Jews, not part of the family of Abraham, looking in, expressing faith that Jesus says is greater than any he's seen in the, in, in among Israel at that time. And then Matthew takes us to that teaching of Christ that, that takes that opportunity to say, look, the way you thought it was going to play out, when you heard the prophets saying that, that many from the east and west are going to come and dine with with." Abraham, you thought that was those, those Israelites, those Jews that had been dispersed after captivity. No, Jesus taught that's going to be those Gentiles looking in from the outside, expressing faith in Jesus are going to come in and dine with Abraham, are going to be a part of that family. Radical, different than anything that his Jewish brothers and sisters would have understood God's plan to be, Right? And then now, what's happening? They enter Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law is healed. And that same night, many are coming to Jesus and all who are coming to him there are healed. 
And what does Matthew do? He says, look. Go look in Isaiah 53, 4. They didn't have references. Scroll of Isaiah. Search down through it right here. See, Jesus is that one that's being talked about there. Jesus is the one, and, and, and we need to not miss this because he's saying there is no other prophet. There's been many sent by God, yes, but there is no other prophet that we see healing like Jesus is healing. What Isaiah is talking about is not any other person. Jesus is the only one who fulfills this. He is the healer, and this is the first point we need to not miss, is that Jesus is the healer, none other. Jesus is the healer. And I love how Matthew quotes Isaiah. Now you have to understand, there's multiple language translations happening here. What Isaiah wrote hundreds of years before Matthew was quoting was in Hebrew. And there had been a translation into Greek, but Matthew here is translating it into Greek. He's not using the translation of the day. He's kind of doing his own translation. And then we get to translate what he translated into English. So there's a couple of translations going on here. But I love in the Greek the words that he uses. What does he say? Um, lost my place. In verse 17, Matthew points back to the Old Testament. He says, this was to fulfill. Jesus' healing, as he did, was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. The word for illness and the word for disease that he chooses in the Greek, the illness, that has to do with the effects of disease on us, the weakness that is the result of disease on our life, right? It's, it's, it, it is actually the, the thing that was being healed, right? The disease, the Greek word there, is the thing causing harm, right? So I, I, I have the results of harm in my body, and then I have the thing causing harm. And what does he say? He says, Jesus takes the weakness. He takes the injury. And then what does it say he does? He bears, literally to carry, to lift, and take away the cause of what is causing the hurt, what is causing the brokenness, what is causing the illness. He bears it. Listen, church, Jesus takes it takes the results, and he bears the cause. That same word for illness is used by the writer of Hebrews when he says, we don't serve a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Same word as the illness. He knows it. He knows it. And he has taken the cause and he bears it. And to both, he is the healer who takes them 
away. And so Matthew now points back and says, look, there is no other like Jesus that has a healing ministry. Jesus is the one who does this. There's no other prophet, no other man of God who does this. What Isaiah is pointing towards is Jesus. And so when he does that, Matthew knows full well what Isaiah 53 contains, right? So let's go back there. Look at this line that's being connected by Matthew and Isaiah 53. Isaiah's kind of in the middle. If you see Psalms, go to the right. I don't have a bookmark for you in that one, so that could be a challenge. Isaiah's a big book, though. It, it, you can flip through and find it somewhere near the middle. Isaiah 53. Now the quote is from verse 4, but I'm going to start back in verse 1. He's saying Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus. The focus of this passage is Jesus. So let's see what Isaiah 53 says about Jesus. It starts out, verse 1, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now the arm of the Lord is referring to the person who this passage is about to talk about. So if this is referring to Jesus, then Jesus is the might of God. He is the arm of the Lord. Then in verse 2, for he, Jesus, grew up before him, the Father, like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground in weakness, without the trappings of a king, without the security, worldly security that, that, that a king would normally have to grow up in. No, Jesus was born into what? You'd consider a high-risk situation. Let's put the right arm of God into the womb of a woman who does not have the trappings of a king around her. And when he's born, he's not going to be born in, in the safest place. It's the least safe place, within, within a stall. And, and he's going to be placed where they put the feed for animals. But you have this picture that it's all before the Father, in His sovereign care, placing His strong right arm into that place of weakness, but sovereignly caring for Him. Continuing in verse 2, He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him and no beauty that we should desire Him. Humble. Jesus entering into the humility of man. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. There's the two words that Matthew ultimately will translate. Jesus is acquainted with sorrows, right? He, or he's a man of sorrows. He, he is experiencing the, the sorrows of mankind. He is the one who... He's able to sympathize with our weakness. He's acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. We did not see him as the arm of Almighty God. Surely, here's the verse that Matthew quotes. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Our griefs. Our sorrows. But how do we see it? How did we see How did the world see it then? Second half of verse 4, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted as if he was deserving. He's being afflicted by God. What did you do? Jesus. But it's not his doing that put him there. He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. And then verse 5, but he was pierced. Why? Not for his transgressions. He was pierced for ours. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment, the justice carried out that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Church, the healing of Jesus Christ has so much more depth and profound meaning. What did he bear? What did he take away? What he took away was more than just human weakness, human illness. The evidence of this passage is there. Matthew is saying, look, he is the only one who does this work. But look, what he does is he takes away the illness. And if I look at at chapter 53 in Isaiah, the illness is so much more than physical illness. And what he bears up and carries away is so much more than physical disease. What is it? It's sin. Jesus bore on himself. He took up and carried our sin and took it to the only place that it could be destroyed. And he took it to the cross. And there on the cross then was the chastisement that brings us peace with God and peace with each other because it's the healing work of God through the wounds of Jesus Christ on the cross that our sin is dealt with. He has borne our sin. He's taken it away. He removes our transgression from us. We are cleansed through the work on the cross. And the the ravaging results of sin in our lives, He takes, He is the healer by His wounds on the cross. We are not just saved from sin, but we are healed from the results of sin. We need to not miss this. Second point. What matters most is not physical. Yes, He is the healer. He is the strong arm of God. He is the one who created you, created me, created the, all of the world that we live in and the universe. He created it all. He definitely can with a word just as he did for the servant of the centurion, not even being present with a word, he can bring healing, physical healing. But, but physical is not what's most important. And we need to get our minds around that because the perspective of the Bible, the 
perspective of Jesus doesn't just see what's physical. He sees the whole person, all of who you are. And that's not naturally how we think. We see the physical first. What matters most to us is physical health, physical safety. That's primary. We are born into that thinking. What we experience firsthand, what we see around us is physical, and so that's what's most important to us. And then some of us realize that it's not just what's physical that matters, that there's a mental aspect of what matters. That, that whether I'm safe and whether I'm healthy is not just a physical matter, there's also safety and health in, in, in mental, in, in what my thoughts are and, and my emotions are. And I think these days people are starting to realize as, as mental sickness, mental health, it becomes more of an issue in the conditions around us as, as kids suffer more today from anxiety and depression than ever before. That it's not just physical, and we kind of understand that, but that's not typically the highest priority on our list. Our highest priority is physical safety, physical health. And then we kind of realize, you know, there's more to it than that. We start to realize, you know, there's, there's a mental, there's an emotional aspect of safety and health. But see, then there's more than that too. There's a spiritual health and safety. And we're just ignorant at that level. We don't even see it. We don't understand it. Our scientists aren't able to test it. That's the order of priority that, that we see the world and, and we see ourselves. But we have the perspective in the Bible. The perspective from Jesus is opposite of that. What do we see in the Bible? Well, we're going we're gonna to find soon here uh, an account from Matthew of Jesus being a paralytic being brought to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He says, he sees their faith and he says, your sins are forgiven. And what's our response to that? Oh, he didn't heal them. It's because we think physical first. And we see physical separate from spiritual as if there's two parts of you. No, there's one, one person that you are. And who you are is actually not physical. This body has a time limit, but you don't. So who are you? Are you a physical body? No. You're a spiritual person that currently has a physical body. It's not going to last forever. But we see who we are as this physical body. And we say, Jesus, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't heal that man. Now Jesus had something he was going to teach through that, yes. But from Jesus' perspective, he took care of the root cause. Jesus had the authority to forgive sin as the Son of God. He took care of the root cause. That man had healing in the way that mattered most. And they question, who has authority to forgive sins? And he says, well, what's easier, forgive sins or to heal him? Let me show you. And he heals the man. Leaders, pastors, are going to be judged harder than other people. That's what the Bible says. 
end of Hebrews talks about that a little bit. You know, we're not going to be judged on according to how we cared for the physical health and safety of our church. That's not what it says. We're going to be judged on how we cared for the souls put into our care. Jesus sees the eternal being. Does he care about physical? Yes, absolutely. But what's most important is not the physical. You know, we find out that following Christ, following Him, the healer, what does that involve in this life? We're going to suffer as He suffered. That could be physical suffering to follow Christ. What does that tell me? That there's a priority in Jesus' kingdom in following Christ and what He cares about most that isn't comfort that isn't physical safety. Paul talks about God sending him a thorn in the flesh. He says, three times I asked God, I, I asked Jesus, the healer, to take that from me. And he didn't. And then Paul sees God's purpose in it. He says, because of the great revelations that I've had, I've, I've practically been to heaven. I don't know if it was a vision or I was physically there, but God showed me things in heaven that is not permissible for me to even share with you all. And, and by his grace, in order that I not become conceited, he has sent me this thorn in the flesh to keep me humble, to deal with what is a greater danger when Jesus sees the whole person of Paul, he sees the soul of Paul, and he says, the greatest threat on you right now is your pride. And so I'm going to help you with that. And his saving, healing work to Paul brings him a thorn in the flesh. What is more important there? Not physical safety or health. It is the soul of Paul. It is the purpose of God through Paul to do his work that he be set apart and holy in his heart, emotion, affections, desires, that it all be sanctified and, and, and cleansed and, and healed of the sinful, the ravages of sin. God had removed sin, the cause, through his wounds on the cross in Paul's life. And he continued to bring healing and freedom from the results of sin, right? What matters most is not physical. If I had cancer in my body, it would surely, eventually, result in symptoms of some kind, right? What if I knew I had cancer? So all I need is to deal with the symptoms and then I'll be healed. It would be foolish of me. As I know the cancer hasn't been dealt with. Sin is cancer to our souls, to who we are eternally. And the result of it 
has side effects to every part of who we are, and ultimately the wages of sin is what? Death, spiritual, physical death. Sin affects my mind, affects my thoughts, affects my emotions. It's a danger. It affects the health of me psychologically. Mental health affected by sin in my life. Sin affects not just emotion, but then it affects my, my physical well-being. We, we get that mental condition affects our physical well-being. I can tell when there's an extra amount of stress in my life because I start getting red up here. It's, unfortunately, I let you guys in on that secret. Now you're going to be like, David, your stress is a little high because you start getting this red sign on your forehead. Like, David's stress is getting high. You need to drink more water, less coffee, more sleep right? Mental stress leads to physical results. We see that. But boy, we go backwards through this. Jesus wants to bring healing into our lives starting at the root of the problem. By his wounds, we are healed. He wants to change to heal our minds. Our minds are, are ravaged by the results of sin, how we think, what we believe is true. You put Romans 12.2 up on the screen. Andy, you put Romans 12.2 up on the screen. I can yell at my son back there. Let's say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What we think what goes through our minds, right? So that by testing, you may be able to discern. This is a healed mind, discerning what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How much have we strived to discern things in truth and what is good and perfect in these last couple of years as we see the threads on Facebook and all of the different things? We need the wisdom of God, and, and it's not a, a, a renewal of my mind through human wisdom. It's the healing that only comes through Christ that accomplishes what is in Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, the wisdom of this world. And we can, we can say, oh, I can identify the wisdom of this world. And where's the first place we go? We go, whatever, there's plenty of debates today. And we can look right across the other side of the line on wherever side we, we land and we say, there's wisdom of the world. We can, we can see it clearly. There, there's broken thinking. There, there's false thinking there. But church, what we need to be careful of is not the obvious error. It's the wisdom that seems good. It's the line of reasoning that seems right. But does not confess Jesus, does not submit to God, is not the wisdom that comes from God. The wisdom that comes from God is shrouded in meekness, not weakness, but humility. 
holding what is true about God. It's pure. It brings about peace. That's the wisdom of God. So be careful. For your safety of your mind, for the health of your mind, that what you take up is the wisdom that is from God, from Jesus the healer, who renews our mind, brings healing to our thoughts and our desires. What does Isaiah 26, 3 say? You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's a mind that has been healed because what? It stayed on Christ. The name of Jesus is, is, where, is where the mind is focused. Where, where is our mind focused? Where do we need healing? We might say, where I need healing is physical. Well, physical is of the least importance. It's of some value. That's what Paul says to Timothy. It's of some value, but not the most. Where do I need healing? Where are my thoughts? Do, do I need healing in my mind? Lord Jesus, help and transform my mind so that it is stayed on you and it trusts what? Not the wisdom of man, but it trusts you. Trust you, God. And you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. Jesus had a family that he loved. The family of Lazarus and her sister and his sisters. Loved them dearly. That's what the Bible says. Jesus gets word. The sisters sent him word. Mary, the one who washed Jesus' feet and, and wiped his feet clean with her hair. They send him word, Lazarus is ill, physically ill. And Jesus loved them. How? He stayed two more days where he was and didn't go. What's most important? Physical illness? Now, Jesus had something so much more important to teach his disciples and to teach Mary and Martha. He waited two days and Lazarus died. And he goes there and they're saying, if you had been here, you wouldn't have died. They know Jesus. He is the healer. The healer didn't go. He waited two days on purpose. Allowed physical illness to bring about death because he had a lesson teaching. It's a lesson that we need to know today as we are so caught up in what's important, our physical health and safety that we see Jesus' perspective. What did, he, what did he say? Look with me in John chapter 11 and verse 25. Martha came out to talk to him and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. 
And here's what was so important for her to get. Martha, do you believe this? The healer was healing at the core. Church, do you believe this? That if you believe in the name of Jesus Christ, even if this body should physically die, yet you will live. And if you believe in His name, even while you live, you will never die. What are you afraid of, church? So Jesus' words bring healing from the very core of who we are. And what we believe matters. And when He bears our sin and takes it from us. How does that happen? It's because we have believed on His name. And then He takes our sin from us. And then He enters in and our illness, that is the ravages of sin, the way that we think, our mind that, that has been so broken by our sin, by other people's sin. I, it, it's not just you realize when you are living sinfully, you're not just affecting yourself, you're affecting others around you, and the scars of sin are, are everywhere. And Jesus comes into the life of someone who has put their mind on Him, who has trusted Him, is, believes in His name for salvation. He first removes their sin from Him, nailing it to the cross. And then a healing process begins by His Holy Spirit, renewing of the mind, renewing of the things that we believe. And as that happens... Mentally, we're healed. Peace comes into a mind that's been ravaged by fear. Peace. Depression starts to lessen and lessen because, no, I, I'm no longer setting my mind on, on, on these things around me, but my mind's now set on Him, who I am in Christ. My identity, who I was, was defined by the ravages of sin before. And now Jesus, time and time again, is now through His Word showing me who I am now in Him. And that is doing a mental healing because the truth of His Word is showing me what is true about Him, what's true about me. You are valued. Why? Because He has valued you. You matter. Why? Not because of some self, self-help thing that we're going that I just repeat over and over. I'm valuable, I'm valuable, I'm important, I'm important. No, because Jesus has declared you valuable, important. You matter. You are secure in Him. That's mental healing like none other. The healing of Jesus Christ in our life. Let's look back at the beginning of that passage in Matthew. Jesus enters Peter's house, saw that Peter's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, the fever left her, and she she rose and began to serve him. So understated. And the other Gospels don't add much. You know, they add that the disciples asked him to heal her. That's a little more detail. There's so much we don't see here. You know, there's two different places. We see Peter living 
And you know that when you got family and different things going on, you might find yourself in different places. We don't know the story behind his mother-in-law. Is, is her husband in the picture? No, yes. But we don't know. We're not meant to know. But what do I know? Jesus brought healing into that house. And the moment that he healed her, she began to serve him. And just that night, every person that came to that house was healed. Here's the last point. A life that is healed becomes a place for healing. The one who's been comforted becomes a comforter. When Jesus enters your home and there's healing that happens, you, Jesus' healing, so much more than physical healing, healing of the soul, healing of the mind, healing of the desires of the heart, healing of relationships, healing of marriages, healing of families. When that presence of Jesus comes into your home and, and, and heals, then that home becomes a place of healing. Are we letting Jesus in to do his healing work in our lives? And then are we getting up to serve him and let our lives, our home, become a place of healing for others? John, you can come on up. Do you need healing in your life? Maybe this is the first time you've seen your life from God's perspective, that there's so much more than what's physical. Do you need the healing presence of God in your life doing a work? It comes through putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Is there a relationship in your life that you can look back and say, it's, it's sin. Maybe some of it my sin, some of it someone else's sin. Maybe even sin that's not even part of that relationship, but it's sin that has, that has invaded that and, and caused brokenness. And there's illness there because of the disease of sin, of what that has caused. Do I need healing there? I just reach out to Jesus to believe in his name the one who bears our sin, who bears the disease upon himself, lifts, carries it away where it can be done away with and then brings healing. The Spirit of God bringing strength to our mortal bodies too to do what he needs us to do. Maybe he'll give you a, a thorn in the flesh. Maybe there's a physical illness that, that just won't go away, but you've got to think, God, what is the purpose in this? Is there... Is there actually a healing purpose, Jesus, that you have in my life that's, that's allowing that physical thing to stay so that something so much more important will be dealt with? Lord Jesus, help us to see from your perspective. God, help us just to be burdened, not with physical illness, but be burdened with illness of the soul. Illness of the mind, illness of, of the desires of the heart, of our emotions, God, that, that God can only be healed by you. God, let us wake up each morning regardless of our physical condition, of our, of our 
circumstances around us, God, and, and realize that you have a purpose and plan that is so much greater than what we feel is most needed. God, help us to see your perspective, Lord. Help us to open your word and, see, and speak to us from it, God, so that by the washing that comes through the truth of your word that declares truth about you, that declares truth about us, and when we believe that, God, it transforms us. Help us, God, in that. Lord, heal our body. We still need your healing among us. Lord Jesus, if there's someone here, I don't, I don't know where people are at, God, but if there's someone here that you're just already impressing on them, they need your healing presence in that area of their life. God, I pray you give them courage to talk to one of their brothers and sisters and say, can you pray for me? God, help us to see as you see. God, heal us. Lord Jesus, thank you for bearing our sin. Thank you for taking our illness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Silence fell, 
Jesus Your name is a light that the shadows can deny Your name cannot be overcome Your darkness around us cannot stand against the light that you bring. Lord Jesus, darkness within us cannot stand against the light that you bring. We, we want to be filled with the glory that is the salvation that is in you, Lord. To be healed, not just in body, but in mind, soul, spirit, God, all that we are to be healed by your presence in our life. Thank you, Lord, that we can set our mind on you. We can trust you in everything. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Church, if there's something God was just saying, that's something I need to work on in my life, and you need somebody to pray for you, I'm going to stand back here this morning. And if you need prayer or just to talk, Come on up. Or if you just want to say hi, that's good too. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang back here. And if you need someone to pray for you, um, don't just go home. Uh, whether, even a brother or sister around you too, but I'm going to be up here. Um, go in the Lord, church. I love you.